everyone. Welcome back to the Everything Jesus podcast. I'm Dr. Billy Birch, and this is my wife, Kim. Hi, everyone. And we're in episode 44, and this is a very interesting episode to me because we're going to be talking about communion. Mm -hmm. I can remember as a very young kid taking communion. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a Catholic church, and so you would have first communion, and all the family would come over, and you have a big cookout, and you have cake, and you have everything. It was a nice, usually in the spring, and it's just a beautiful day. Um, I can remember that. And you dress up in this suit, and you walk up, and the priest gives you this, you know, there's all kinds of ways you can do this there. You know what I mean? A long time ago, they kind of just put it in your mouth, mm-hmm. and you'd take the cup and sometimes even drink it. You know what I mean? Um, but, man, it, it, was, it was a special event. Yeah. That was a special event at that time. Right. You knew something significant was going on. Yeah, there. something significant. Mm-hmm. And you learned about Jesus and the blood and the death. And certainly you would see the crucifix on, and you'd kind of get it. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a good symbol of remembering exactly what we were supposed to remember. Do you remember right. as a kid? I have some funny memories. I can remember as a kid, my sister reminded me of this recently, that after communion services, our pastor's sons would go up and eat all the leftover communion food. And we all felt like it was so so unfair. So that was some strange, you know, association I had with it. I do remember that when one of our kids was little, when our daughter was little, she was going to be going into big church, as she called it, for Mm -hmm. the first time um, when we were serving communion. And I remember standing out in the hall and explaining it to her. She had already received Christ as her Savior, and I was explaining to her what was going to be going on. And she looked at me and said, will I like it? You know, so to her little mind, the important thing was, is it going to be a tasty snack? You know, she just thought it was a snack. Exactly. And, and, you know, as, as much as we are supposed to do communion, there's even special times of communion where I can remember doing it and visiting people in the hospital and hospice and taking a little communion yes, kit along right, and just really powerful. making it making it really, really special. And I can remember doing this with some people that, that didn't live but, right. but another couple of weeks, you know, and, yes. and I remember um, having communion one time with a family who just lost their dad, you know, yeah. and it was really, really sad and hard. And I had the these, these those communion wafers that are aren't much different in material than styrofoam. You yes. know which ones I'm talking about. Oh yeah. And and all I had was cran grape juice. You know what I mean? It wasn't even grape. I think it was just straight cranberry juice. And I was trying to fake it. You know what I mean? Like not pay attention to it. And they knew it was like a funny kind of just yeah. hey, we're all just doing this together, doing the best we can to support and get things moving. It was just very meaningful. I think in that instance, you know, we did spend a moment laughing about these strange communion wafers you had. But there was such a... just a vivid realization at that moment. I was there with you, and I remember, in light of the Father just having passed away... Wow, communion was so meaningful to all of us. And we were sharing this intermingling of the grief, this heavy grief, and then this incredible joy Mm -hmm. that we knew he was in heaven with Jesus, the very symbol that we were representing there. So I think the laughter was just an overflow of this incredible emotion that we were feeling, the grief, the beauty, the joy, that there's life beyond this, that that the symbol points to. You know, and... As I was thinking about that, I was thinking about all the meaningful times that I've taken communion, and I was thinking back as a as a teenager or even beyond, even recently, or whatever time period we we're in, where I kind of took it for granted. 
Mm. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? I just kind of went through the motions and, okay, I guess we're supposed to take communion. Let's go take it, you know, and that was certainly the case for many of the times I took communion because you took it weekly. Okay. Or, you know, some churches do it monthly, some weekly, some, mm-hmm. you know, even more so. You can uh, do it every day if they have a communion service, you know, and I, I think that happens to us mm-hmm. where we kind of get numb to it because it's such a ritual. Mm-hmm. They just kind of do it. Yeah. And we don't give it much thought. And, and the whole point of communion is not only just to give it thought, mm-hmm. but to use other of our senses to really help us to remember what was going on. Yeah. You know, your taste, your smell, your touch, um, all of that, just so that it is like, this is what you're supposed to remember. You're never supposed to forget it. And every time you do it, you're supposed to remember that, right. not just walk up, take it, sit down, and it meant nothing. You know what I mean? Right, and we have right. to be careful of that. And and God has woven <clears throat> that kind of a um, cyclical celebration mm-hmm. motif into Scripture. There are quite a few feasts that the people mm-hmm. celebrated, and they were all commemorating things that had happened. And they were supposed to just keep revisiting these things in their history to remember how God had been faithful. Yeah. So how much more important would it be that there would be a beautiful feast-like symbol yeah. associated with the most central message of the whole Bible, and that's what we're looking at today. It is exactly what we're looking at, and I think that communion, I don't know that everybody knows this, but it's such a hinge point for the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like if you were to pick one object or one symbol or one passage of Scripture in the Bible that hinges both, mm-hmm. why not go to the communion passage? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we're going to learn about that today. And we're actually going to read in the book of Mark. It's the, the, the whole thing is actually in Matthew and Mark and Luke. Mm-hmm. And, and also Paul says things in 1 Corinthians 11 about communion. But we're going to stick with the Mark episode here uh, of, of the Last Supper. So you're going to start reading, if you don't mind, in, uh, in verse 12. Okay. Mark 14, starting at 12. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So the disciples went into the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. So, this festival of unleavened bread. Let, let, let's jump right into that, because mm-hmm. it says that in verse 12. On the first day of the Festival of Unleavened Bread, we're talking about Passover festival. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that, that, that's the hinge point. And I think it is very interesting, and always has been, when I started learning more and more about scriptures, that Jesus' Passion Week, when he knew he was going to go to the cross and, and the resurrection and everything. It happened at Passover. It's so amazing. It's so mm-hmm. amazing. So let's get into that a little yeah. bit. So let's go into Exodus and take a look at the Passover. 
Okay. So a little bit of context to how we get to the Passover story. Um, in the book of Genesis, God has called out a certain family, Abraham's family, mm-hmm. through which he's going to carry out this covenant promise. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's the family line that Jesus will come from. Okay. So you have Abraham, his son is Isaac. The next son is uh, in the lineage is Jacob. Then Joseph yeah. is a really pivotal part of this story. Mm-hmm. Joseph is sent in slavery to the Mm -hmm. land of Egypt, okay? Then a famine hits, and the people of of Israel come to Egypt to see if they can be provided for during this famine, okay? Now, Joseph has already been planted there. He shows favor to his family line, the Israelites, and protects them during the famine, okay? So they all all of Israel has ended up in Egypt because of a famine, Mm -hmm. They go there to escape it. They do escape it. And what had been sort of a a rescue work for them eventually becomes a situation of slavery. That's right. Because the residents, the the king, the pharaoh of Egypt looks at this mass of people and starts to find them threatening. Yeah. So over time, he enslaves these Israelite people who are among them in Egypt. Okay, so Mm -hmm. that's how we get into Egypt. That's right. Then time passes and the Israelites can't get out of there. They are actually in slavery for 400 years. Mm. Then they call out, they, they cry out to God for deliverance, and God comes through and prepares a deliverance for them, and that's going to set us up for the story of Passover. Mm-hmm. And so um, Moses was chosen to, to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, and you know how Moses was like, how am I supposed to, why are you choosing me? And God mm-hmm. chose Moses, yeah. you know, and then allowed his brother Aaron to be along with him, uh, to kind of be the mouthpiece, to be mm-hmm. a spokesperson. Um, and they went to Pharaoh. They just knocked on his door and, you know, I'm sure it didn't happen that way, but they kind <laughs> of were just like, Pharaoh, let our people go. Mm-hmm. And Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to do it. Okay, suffer the consequences. And there were 10 plagues. At different times, you know, as the story as the story goes, so that God would try and convince Pharaoh, you better let the people go. This is going to go really bad for you. Mm-hmm. And every plague, Pharaoh was like, "Okay, I'll let you. I'll let the people go. Okay, that's fine." Then change his mind. Yes, and says, "No, no, no. I'm not going to let you go." Then the worst plague. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to let you go. Then another plague. Yeah, you can go, but then I'm going to change your mind. No, I'm going to not. I'm not going to let you go. And then the tenth plague is what we call the Passover. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Right. Yeah. So in this one, the Lord gives his people, the Israelites, special information that's going to protect them in the midst of it. So he tells the Israelites, listen, you're going to have to trust me on this. You will each need to, as a family, go out and find a lamb, a spotless Mm -hmm. lamb, which would have been very valuable to these Mm -hmm. people, and you need to sacrifice it and take its blood and paint it around the doorframe of your home. Right. A strange symbol. Right. And they had to follow it in faith. And the Lord said, I'm going to send the angel of death. This Mm -hmm. is going to be a punishment against Egypt. But when the angel of death comes, he will see the blood painted on your doorframe of your home, mm-hmm. you will be protected. Yes. But the Egyptians will not be protected because of this repeated disobedience of not letting my people mm-hmm. go. This is the consequence for them. Yeah. So it's a, a beautiful story that the Israelites were protected from this situation. They were By protected from the plague. The blood of the sacrificial lamb. Yes, the yes. spotless lamb. Yeah, that's what's... 
Yes. Okay. So this blood of the spotless lamb Mm -hmm. opened the door for them to find deliverance from Mm -hmm. their slavery. This prompted Pharaoh to change his heart. He said, get these people out of here. Far away. Yes. And so the, the Israelites are allowed to be released because... The Egyptians finally see how threatening the Israelites' God can That's be. Right. The That's true right. God has this kind of power. And so he chooses the, the Pharaoh chooses to let these people go. And so this mass of people, mm-hmm. all of the Israelites are allowed to escape out from under the slavery because of what has happened here at Passover. Yeah, then Pharaoh changed his mind again, okay. kind of later in the game, and sends his chariots and horses and army after the Israelites. And we know the rest of the story. The Israelites were looking at the Red Sea in front of them, looking behind them and seeing Pharaoh's army coming. What are we going to do? God had it all planned. Part of the Red Sea, Israelites went through. The, the Egyptians tried to go through to attack the Israelites. They all drowned. And this was a major deliverance. Mm-hmm. As, as a matter of fact, it stands as still to this day for the Jewish people the great deliverance, yes. the, the most important miracle that 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 the Israelite community has ever experienced, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they celebrate it even to this day. If oh, you yeah. have any Jewish friends, you know that Passover is a really significant holiday for them because they're looking back on that event. Yeah. They, as a people, had been enslaved and were allowed to be set free. That's, right. That's what they commemorate. So we've just given and, you in a few minutes a, a summary of the story. Yeah, yeah, that's of right. That was, half of Genesis and into the book of Exodus. <laughs> that was great, though. Good job. That well, was awesome. I hope you it know? was great. I'm not sure. It was um, pretty quick. But anyway, so all of that is this um, this celebration that will then be carried out throughout the generations, yeah, and, and that's it, what we hit on. Oh, yeah. In Exodus chapter 12, you know, it, this is written here is, as a command to the Israelites that every year at, at the very beginning, actually, I'll read it, uh, chapter 12, while the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron, from now on. This month will be the first month for, of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. Then it goes into a whole lot of rules about if you can't afford an animal, you share an animal, you do. But it's recreating almost what, what God had asked the Israelites to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. Get this lamb, and we're going to do a whole lot of ritual, and you're going to do this Every year on the 10th day of the first month, right? Yeah. And it became a meal, like a, a celebratory meal that they yeah. would share with their family to commemorate this. Just like we have holidays yeah. where we have certain kind of meals yep. that we expect at certain yeah. holidays. Oh, yeah, it's the best. <laughs> and, but there's, this wasn't a particularly great meal. There were some sort of oddities to it. Sure was. But the point was that the entire thing was symbolic of yeah. pointing back to what had happened in that instance with Israel being freed from Egypt. And in in verse 17, it says, celebrate this festival of unleavened bread, for it will remind you that I brought you, your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generation to generation. And what meal you talk about is the Seder, Mm -hmm. and that meal has symbolic significance. And it is meant for the dad to tell the son mm-hmm. or the granddad to tell the grandson or granddaughter or mom to tell the daughter or all it's it's for one generation to tell the next generation this is what god did 
that's why we're celebrating this. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So some of the things that they would have done is they, they had some bitter herbs that they would have eaten. This was part of the ritual. Mm-hmm. And that pointed back to the bitterness of the slavery that mm-hmm. they had experienced. Mm-hmm. And, and there's um, some salty water that they have there on the table. And that is symbolic of the tears that were shed. And um, you mentioned the lamb. The lamb is sacrificed. It's mm-hmm. this, the best lamb is the one that they mm-hmm. will sacrifice. Right. And this is going to have some symbolism coming up. Um, they will have a wine. There are actually going to be four cups of wine that show up at the Seder dinner. And they symbolize different important things, different promises. Mm-hmm. I will statements that Jesus had, not yeah. Jesus, that God, that had, God said had said yeah. back then. I will do this. I will do mm-hmm. this. And they are symbolized in these four glasses of wine. Yeah. And so... Um, they're getting ready for this. So where, where are we going to do? So when the disciples said, where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? This is what they're getting ready yes. for. This is why you, you know, this is why they traveled to, to Jerusalem and they were going to, you know, celebrate the Passover. Okay. You know, one thing I want to point out in the Luke version of this, it says one more little detail that I don't want us to miss. In Luke 22, verse 15, Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover mm. meal with you. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I love that. I love that Jesus was waiting eagerly to unveil yeah. for them the deeper symbolism of this Seder meal that they had practiced year and year, you know, year after year. The original Exodus had happened in 1446 BC, and all the years since then they had maintained this. Mm-hmm celebratory meal. And Jesus says, I have been so eagerly Mm -hmm. awaiting celebrating it with you because he was going to give them the additional information about what this really symbolized. Yeah. And that always reminds me of the scripture that says, Jesus never came to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Of this whole celebration. It's all come around to this is what it's about. You know? So in, in the middle of all of this, by the way, I just want to read a couple verses because interjected in the middle of this story mm-hmm. um, is, is some bad news. Right. And it says this, in the evening, Jesus arrived with the 12 disciples as they were at the table eating. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one? He replied, it is one of you 12 who is eating from this bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Mm-hmm. So he just predicts a, a, a betrayal. And we also, we all of us know it's, it's Judas and, and is what's going to happen very shortly. Right. So Jesus is sitting at this table, and he knows his betrayer is right there with him. Mm-hmm. It's it's such an interesting sort of contrast. You have Jesus being this, this loving, kind mm-hmm. person who had come to show mercy and grace on all mankind. Right there in his midst mm-hmm. is this man who's going to betray him. And it shows sort of just how... How we're all going to fail, you know. Yeah. In yeah. the context of this whole story, we have Judas who's going to betray, Peter who's going to deny. All the disciples will fall away for a bit when Jesus goes to the cross. So true. But so Jesus true. is going to be faithful and do what needed to be done. And he didn't throw Judas out. You know, we're going to have this Passover, and you're going to be the one that's going to betray me. So get out. You might mm. as well go to do it. We want to have this Passover. He's like, 
I invite all mm. to this meal. You know what I mean? And he's saying that to everybody out there too, that, yeah, we, we are not perfect. As a matter of fact, we will in our own way betray Jesus somehow, mm. often. Mm. And Jesus is like, I still want you here. I still want you here. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Very interesting. Um, but now let's read the actual communion verses. Okay. Yeah. So picking up here in verse 22, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. Okay, so, you know, this this is the most familiar passage to us, you know, to many people all around the world. You know, as many times as people have taken communion, they've heard this read verbatim, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's part of the Passover meal. Yeah. And, and I, I think that some... I didn't realize that until, you know, I really actually dove into this in in some significant ways back in seminary or something Mm -hmm. like that. I was like, wait a minute, this is part of the Passover meal? Yeah. So he's taking elements they're familiar with and kind of imbuing them with new meaning, which is what he has done all along. Doesn't he take the familiar and add additional meaning to it? That's that's exactly right. And this one is just even more dramatic than any of the others. Dramatic because all of the disciples were Jewish. Okay, yes. and they all knew probably almost by heart what they were supposed to do for the seder, um, and Jesus kind of changed it. Yes, you know they thought they knew what to expect, but he's going to take it and add additional, deeper, more yeah. vivid and important meaning to each and, part and of it. And link himself to the Passover yes. lamb. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the storyline, he is this lamb. He is that Passover lamb whose blood would be sacrificed. And so the first thing he's doing here is he's taking the bread. Now, I hadn't even mentioned the bread earlier when we were talking about the Passover meal, but they had this bread that they made, and it was matzah, unleavened bread. I love it. Love it. (laughs) Yes, you do. I grew up in in a very, really diverse elementary school, and... and, uh, Man, I would trade my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to my Jewish friends for the matzah because it was so good. I've never had it before. This is like amazing, you know? Right. So it's unleavened bread because it was symbolic of back in the Exodus, how the people were like fleeing the city, fleeing from Egypt in a hurry. And there was no time for the bread to rise. So this unleavened bread is, you know, very flat. Mm -hmm. And it's I I think this is such a neat symbol. If you buy matzah today... Mm -hmm. It is pierced mm-hmm. and striped. Go That's buy so some true. at the store. It's oh pierced goodness. and striped. Mm-hmm. There's all these little fork holes in it. I love that. And there are stripes on it from the way that it's cooked. It's cooked, yeah. Wow. But yeah. even that part of the symbol goes yeah, that's, with that's Jesus. Really cool. Okay. Now, what I'm referring to is Isaiah 53 5. It says, of the Messiah to come, he would be pierced for our trans- transgressions. Wounded for our iniquities, by his stripes we are healed. Mm -hmm. Pierced and striped. Mm -hmm. That would be Jesus. And the symbol that he's picking up here is a pierced and striped piece of bread. And he's saying, this is my body. He's changing the meaning of the symbol. Yeah. Then he 
took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, and this is what I love. This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. You know, um, a covenant is an agreement. It's entered into by two people or two parties. Mm -hmm. Could be people, could be a whole entourage of people, Mm -hmm. right? But there's responsibilities in both parties. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And this covenant that was never meant to be broken, right? God's responsibility or God's part in this covenant was, I'm giving you my son. And his blood is going to seal the covenant. Mm -hmm. Because the Old Testament covenants always had to be sealed with blood. Jesus is going to eternally and once and for all seal the covenant that God is making with the people. Mm-hmm. So God, his part of it was, I'm sacrificing my son and his blood is going to seal the covenant. Our part of it is, enter into that. Mm. Believe. Accept it. Okay. Just like they in. would take that cup. They would yeah. take it from his hand and they would take it for themselves. That's what we do with that's, Jesus. And that's the point, I think, of communion, mm-hmm. that we take this, this, this matzah, right? Or we take this communion wafer or this bread or whatever you have, and you take the wine and you, you get it inside of you. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that is as much symbolism here as anything, because Jesus decided that he wanted this communion thing not to be me placing my sh- my hand on someone's shoulder and saying a blessing, or he didn't want it to be some song that we sing. He wanted us to eat and drink something. Mm. You know what I mean? Take it inside. Okay. Make it yours. Yeah. You know what I receive mean? It. Receive, receive it. Receive it for yourself. Each individual receiving it for themselves. Yeah. That there was not one representative in the group that did it, and then it was good enough for everyone. That's Each right. of those people at that communion table that night took it for themselves. That's right. And that's the invitation that's for us. That's the invitation for us. And that's that's why I you know often will say that listen this this communion thing is really for believers. You know, it's not yeah. just for anybody to kind of take it. Oh, it's just part of ritual. This is fun. Or, you know, no, this is like very meaningful mm-hmm. because you are actually symbolizing and remembering and admitting this is what Jesus did for me. And I'm in this and right. he is in me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I love how it is all about what Jesus does and not anything about myself, what I bring to the table. The disciples are there receiving this from Jesus. It's a symbol that he would complete himself. All they had to do was receive it. And it couldn't be contingent on them because they really could not have done what was what was needed to mend their relationship with God. Jesus was going to accomplish it entirely. And all they needed to do was receive it. And it says it is poured out as a sacrifice for many. That's the blood of the lamb Mm -hmm. poured out as a sacrifice for many, Mm -hmm. the forgiveness of sins. Um, You know, it is interesting as we, you know, as we look at these holidays, it's like, that's really a some it's really symbolic of the day of atonement really if you really look at blood being poured out okay. as a sacrifice onto the altar um that was really a day of atonement thing okay. so it's funny it, it, kind of interesting yeah. how you have this passover and you have the day of atonement the yom kippur or something mm-hmm. it, that, that's kind of all in one right is that funny this it's almost like the intersection of the two yeah, yeah. And to be honest with you, I really think that's why we can call his grace amazing. 
Like mm-hmm. it's amazing grace. He mm-hmm. poured out for us. He he's the sacrificial lamb and we get to celebrate this, you know, often. Yeah. Yeah. You know, reflecting back on back to Exodus, you know, I had said at the beginning that in their original celebration of the Passover meal, there were four cups of wine that point to the four I will statements that God had promised to them, that he had committed to them back then. And these are going to come out of Exodus 6. I want to read them. Yeah, go ahead. And then I want you to think about how Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of these. Okay. Mm -hmm. Listen to this. This is in Exodus 6, starting at verse 6. Therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression Mm. and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. Mm. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. Mm. I I think that's so neat that these are the things that Jesus does in an eternal way for us. He frees us from oppression, Mm -hmm. the oppression of sin and the slavery that we're in to this habit of sin in our lives, this sin that drives us away from God. He frees us from that. He redeems us. He buys us back. He buys us for himself. He claims us as his own people. And we know that he is the Lord, our God, who has freed us from the oppression that we're under. That is awesome. So so what you're saying is that's the four cups of wine right? Yep. The I wills. Yep. And they all point to what Jesus has promised to us as well. Right. You know, and even Jesus read out of the scrolls that very thing. If you remember in the beginning of his ministry, when he stood up and said, I'm about to read something. Mm. And he reads Isaiah 61. Mm. And it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Isn't that awesome? So neat. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all fulfilled in Christ. So he takes this symbol that they had been using for all these years and he says, it is all about me, that I'm that, that was done in your history back then for that people group. And yes, it's good and yeah, right that you've celebrated man. all these years, but it was just a little glimmer of the kind of freedom and yeah. deliverance that I, Jesus, will give to you. So Jesus has taken this bread, broken it. His body would yeah. be broken in that way. He has taken the symbol of wine and said, this is my blood that's poured out for you. He's just showing them that he is the fulfillment of all the storyline that has preceded him. And, you know, it even says, I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And he's talking about the millennial reign when he comes back and reigns on earth for a thousand years. Um, I don't remember which podcast. It was about three or four of them ago that we talked about some of the end times. But that's the, he said, I'm not going to drink this wine again until I come back yeah, for that. Right. You know? There's going to be this but celebratory dinner that he will have with which, his people then. Which I think is really, really interesting when you look at, um, you look at communion. Let, let's try and look at it this way. We remember his death. That's the past. We utilize his power and provision. That's the present. Mm-hmm. And then we um, look forward to his return in the future. Mm. So, so communion has all those elements to it. 
You know what I mean? Remembering his death in the past. That's what happened. That's what we're supposed to do. Remember this, remember this, remember this. But it has significance in the presence, in the present. It, it's God's ongoing presence in our lives in the present. Yeah. And then we get to look forward to his coming in the future mm. because he said it's coming and I'm going to drink that wine again. Mm. You know? What a neat symbol that it reaches yeah. way back to the beginning of the story in Genesis and Exodus and then points way forward to the culmination of all of it in the book of Revelation. And, you know, Paul in chapter 11 in 1 Corinthians, he says, in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Mm. So we keep proclaiming, keep proclaiming, keep doing this. And it says, as often as you drink it. It's very interesting to me that in the Old Testament law, God said, on the 10th day of the first year, you're going to celebrate this Passover every year. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, how about as often as you can? Mm. I want you to remember this as the number one thing that you can remember in your entire life. Keep remembering what I have done for you. Okay. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, yeah. I hope I'm able to remember these things next time we have communion. There's so much more here than just oh, remembering so true. You know, that moment on the cross. It's remembering the whole storyline of how we are slaves to sin. He's come to set us free. He does the whole yeah. thing himself. Yeah. All I do is receive that. And That's then I right. look forward to the fact that That's one right. day I'll be with him celebrating this. And this leads us to the last verse that you read. It says, then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. And it is on the Mount of Olives that we're going to talk about in the next episode. Jesus is going to pray. Mm-hmm. And it's a, an amazing prayer for his disciples and for all believers. And we're going to get into that next episode. Okay. Would you pray? Lord, we just marvel at the way this story comes full circle. And Jesus accomplished for us this release from slavery that we're in, Lord, that he has shed his blood, this perfect lamb, shed his blood on our behalf. His body was broken for Mm -hmm. us. And Lord, we praise and thank you for the symbol of communion that reminds us repeatedly of this. And Lord, we just each individually hold our hands out and we receive this offer of salvation that you have given for Mm -hmm. us. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in us, for us in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you.